Welcome back to the Working Out the Inside podcast. I'm Andrew Nargawala of Advanced Psychotherapy and Healing Associates in Creskill, New Jersey. And this is episode 10, the 10 best and worst things parents do with, for, and to their children. And I very much wanted to include the best things too, because parents are under such pressure today. Uh, It is such a challenging commitment and vocation that I wanted to also bring out uh, what struggling parents are doing well and that absolutely I, I want to give credit as well as suggesting things that can not only be difficult but sometimes harmful in families. Um, my perspective is a very interesting one on families in addition to my own growing up, which I've discussed in, in previous uh, podcasts. Uh, I get to work with kids and families from many different perspectives. Sometimes, uh, very often, I'll work with the child as the individual client. And then other times I'll be asked, for example, by a child, would you work with my brother or sister? And uh, if the brother or sister is amenable and wants either individual or or to join those sessions, uh, we can do that. Uh, Sometimes, of course, uh, we'll work with the whole family. But unlike the old-style, traditional, everyone must be present for every session, uh, we work in various combinations. If, if it's appropriate to see everyone at the same time, then that's what we'll do. Sometimes we'll have different combinations. And I've also been able to work with parents exclusively, where they are the um, indicated patients, and to work through those struggles with them. So I've been able to see it from many different perspectives and continue to do that. It's a great blessing. And uh, that will definitely inform what I have to say today. So let's alternate uh, between some of the best and worst things. Let's start with one of the best ones, which is good self-care. And this includes getting away from your kids. Uh, This is often a very unpopular message to parents. Uh, They are often so wired in to their kids Uh, both with technology and just uh, rabid concern that uh, when you suggest that they take some couples time, uh, they uh, take some individual time, they do some hobbies, get some rest, uh, they are quite resistant. I've had parents come in with long lists of things that they have to do, And it's absolutely impossible that they could make any time, but somehow they're able to do it. Uh, And you hear comments like, my kids are everything, uh, which is always a dangerous thing. Your kids can be the most important thing. They can be the thing uppermost on your mind and your energy, but they cannot be everything. Uh, This leads to many parents have said to me privately, I live in terror of my kids leaving home because they feel they would have no purpose, no direction without their kids. And this is very bad, not only for the parents, but for the kids. And many times kids will say to parents, you need to get a life. You know, we don't have to have you here every minute. Or they will get hooked on that kind of attention and use it and sometimes even turn it against the parents. So uh, it is definitely a dangerous thing. One way to remove some of that guilt that parents feel uh, about having their own lives is that our culture, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, does so little to help parents. We have to remember that compared with any developed nation. In other nations, they get stipends to have kids, to help raise kids. 
uh, child care is much more affordable and realistic than in this country, where it's an enormous expense and hard to find good child care. And this puts enormous pressure on parents and families that many just assume, well, that's just how it is. You know, that's how it was for my parents. And instead of saying, you know, we need to change this, this is very damaging to people. And of course, if it doesn't work out well, they blame themselves. They don't say, well, you know, it's baked in the cake that I don't get any help. They just simply say, I must be a terrible parent and what am I doing wrong? And it's very important for parents to not only realize how much, uh, how little support they get, but also to advocate for better support. We certainly have the money in this culture to do better by parents and by families. And we say we love our families more than anything. But when it comes to the way we pay for schools, the way we pay for childcare, or don't pay for it, or don't make it available, our priorities are unmasked. Uh, we really don't care very much about our children, not the way we should. As a culture, I'm saying, of course, individual parents care very much about their children, but we don't prioritize the kind of services that parents deserve and tend to blame themselves for if they're not available. All right, let's look at one of the worst things that parents do, and often very well-meaning, do not intend to harm their kids, but it is quite harmful, which is externalizing criticism and praise. That it meaning it's all about accomplishments, not qualities. And many times when parents come in and they're discussing uh, what is happening with their kids, they'll say, well, you know, uh, my, my kid is very anxious. And they'll go on to describe unbelievable overbooking of the kid. And they'll say, well, they, you know, he or she wants to do this. They want to be uh, busy, you know, six, seven days a week. And with all sorts of things, school projects, extracurricular activities. And the parents will praise this and say, oh, this is great. We're so glad. Can't understand, though, why they're so anxious. Well, uh, being incredibly overbooked would be anxiety-producing for an adult, much less a kid. And even when the parents praise this, it's harmful because when everything is about external accomplishment, it puts enormous pressure on that child to continue that cycle of accomplishment. And it puts enormous pressure on the parent as well because they feel if my kid doesn't do better, then how are they going to stack up against the rest of the kids? And we have this very competitive culture that is not nurturing and can be quite harmful. There's absolutely nothing wrong with celebrating external accomplishments. When kids come in and tell me how they've achieved something, I'm always incredibly happy for them and praising them. But we also come back to the idea that it is not who they are. It is something they're doing. We remember the case we talked about on a previous podcast of the girl who threw herself off the overpass in Massachusetts and wrote in her journal about, about the enormous external pressure that she felt, and not even directly from her parents necessarily, but from the culture as a whole. And she said, the notebook is the only place I can kind of be myself and not feel this pressure to achieve all the time. So we remind our children that they really have these great qualities that last no matter what happens in terms of their external achievement, their kindness, their intelligence, their caring. I often see this generation stereotyped as being cold or cruel or disengaged or always on their phones or you know, and I'm not saying that the technology doesn't have an effect, and I'm not saying, you know, I, I did a presentation yesterday, 
uh, for a whole group of kids. And of course, in the downtime, they were all on their phones. And occasionally during my presentation, one or two would get back on the phone. I'd tell them, get off that phone. But I also see very loving and engaged and sometimes confused young people who are looking for a better culture and better direction where they can use their gifts. And it's very, very sad when, you know, a, a huge percentage of kids that I see cannot say one good thing about themselves in terms of their personal qualities. Uh, and I see very intelligent, uh, loving, well-meaning kids from every possible background, every race, every economic scale. And they, across the board, have a lot of trouble uh, saying anything good about themselves. And I think we also have that trouble at their age. But it's just reinforced so much by the culture now. And of course, we see the parents in the news lately being uh, charged with crimes because they so value that external piece of paper, what college their kids would go to, even if the kids didn't seem all that interested in academic progress, but know they had to have the right school and um, you know the right diploma. And this is ultimately very damaging because people don't recognize their real worth and they carry this through to adulthood they wind up getting a lot of the external goals achieving those goals and then they come in and say you know i'm having panic attacks i feel lost i don't know who i really am and underneath all the externals and that's when we have to help them at that age and we're, we're glad they're coming in but certainly wish they could see that in an earlier time all right, back to the best things that parents do time away. I used to be shocked when I started um, my practice. Parents would come in and I would ask them, when is the last time they had a vacation? And some would say 20 years, 30 years. And I, I just couldn't believe it. I said, how could you go all these years without any vacation? And these were parents that could afford to. There wasn't, money was not the factor to hold them back. Uh, and I would even say, you know, when is the last time you had a day away? I'm not even talking about a big vacation, you know, a week off, two weeks off. I'm talking about taking a day trip and they would just look at you like, well, I, I never do that. I, I don't have time for that. Uh, and, and there are many sources for this. Some of it is, is economic. There are parents who are working constantly. And, and we've said before, we don't offer the kind of help to parents, to individuals in general in our culture. We don't have national health insurance, uh, which every other developed nation has. We don't have stipends for having children. We don't have uh, child care that's affordable and, and uh, of good quality. So again, this pressure. And sometimes the sources are also from the uh, parent's own upbringing. I had one woman who, after telling me, you know, she should never take vacations, always work, always uh, be home with the kids. She said, my father told me I'd be a failure. And I work every day to prove that he was wrong. And her father was not in her life anymore, but she still felt that pressure. And once she was able to recognize this and remove that pressure, uh, she booked a cruise, <laughs> took the kids on a cruise and started to do regular vacations and you know, felt that her life could be her own. She didn't have to live up to her father's um, distorted view of her. So there's all sorts of reasons. It's not just cultural. There are certainly uh, psychological reasons why people limit themselves uh, or, again, feel that externally they have to give more to their kids in terms of material, uh, material aspect. And 
Also, since we don't have free state and local college that other developed nations have, parents understandably feel I've got to be working constantly. You see it in commercials where uh, for financial services companies where they say, you know, oh, yes, we've got five kids. That means five college tuitions we're going to have to pay. So whether it's the kid feeling the pressure to pay student loans, which are not dischargeable in bankruptcy, unlike every other kind of loan. I mean, it's very cruel what we do to kids. And same thing with parents. They feel, well, I've got to work two jobs. I've got to, uh, you know, extend myself because who's going to pay for college? Who's going to pay for my kid living with me when they get out of college and can't find a job? So there, there is multiple, there are multiple pressures on parents and on families in that regard. But taking time away is incredibly important. It is putting gas back in the tank. You cannot constantly be giving and doing and not make time to get away. Also to have your own friends, your own interests, your own hobbies. Uh, if you don't, you burn out. And parent burnout is certainly a, a big issue that we see in our practice. Back to the worst things that see parents do. And one of them is accepting abuse from your children at any age. Uh, there's behavior that parents take from their children, whether their children are young or adult children that they would never tolerate in a million years from anyone else coming in their home. In fact, if you ask them and say, well, if someone behaved like this to you, who was not in your family, how would you react? Oh, I would, I would uh, ban them forever. I would never put up with this behavior. But when it comes to kids, uh, very often, and sometimes this is true, I see a lot of kids on the spectrum with Asperger's and various uh, levels of autism and not uh, extremely severe, not kids in institutions, uh, but kids who are in the community and um, struggling with that and it's a very real condition. But I'm talking about everything from kids on the spectrum to kids who are certainly not on the spectrum. and. Um, the kind of abuse that parents will allow, verbal abuse, sometimes physical abuse, and they put it down as, well, you know, this is just how my kid is. You don't understand, Andrew. Uh, you know, I, there's nothing I can do. I'm helpless. And one of the things that I will have parents confide in me, they will say, well, I don't want to be the bad guy. I'm afraid that if I consequence my kid, they'll hate me, they'll turn away from me, I won't have a relationship with them. But actually, it destroys the relationship because the kid winds up feeling guilty that they treat their parents this way. They look back and, of course, they, they'll take advantage of it when it happens, but it doesn't help their self-esteem at all. Privately, kids tell me, I wish my parents would consequence me. I don't understand when I come home at 2 a.m. and they're just like, oh, well, that's okay. Don't they love me? Don't they, aren't they worried for me? Now, the, the kid is not, in most cases, going to go to the parent and say, would you please consequence me? It would be embarrassing. And kids also want to get away with things. There's, there's two sides to how they look at it. On the one hand, when it's convenient for them, hey, I get to do what I want to do. But then they also have that reckoning where they're saying, you know, is anybody really in charge? And it makes them feel lost and without structure. And kids need that regular structure and expectation. They need it from their therapist. They need it from other adults in their lives. And they certainly need it from their parents. So... Uh, consequencing is a very important factor and not accepting abuse. If you would not accept 
anyone else calling you names, physically threatening you, putting their hands on you, screaming at you, then you should not accept it from your kids. And you have to be willing. And parents will say, but they just escalate, Andrew. If I try to do anything, they just get worse. Well, you have to be willing to sometimes take some extreme measures. If your child puts uh, his or her hands on you, you have to be willing to call the police. It can be a dangerous situation. Uh, you could be hurt, and your child would not be happy with that. Your child would regret that in most cases. If they don't regret it, it's all the more reason that you need to get additional help involved. And, you know, you have to say to yourself, if I would do this with another person or adult or child, then I must do it with my own child. They will not stop loving you if you consequence them. If that's how fragile your relationship is with your kid, then you really don't have a relationship with your kid. You have to uh, set boundaries and make that predictable structure. Uh, they're not your friends. I often come across parents who really, when they talk about their kids and view their kids, they will even explicitly say, well, we're friends, you know, and I, I think that can be an aspect of an adult relationship with a kid when a kid is independent and not at home and you can have certainly a much different relationship with that child. But adolescence, even adult kids living at home, they need to know what the rules are. They need to help you. They need to do chores. Um, and many times parents will be overcompensating for what happened to them. So they'll say, well, you know, my parents were incredibly strict and over the top. So I, you know, tend to go the other way, which I, I understand, but it's not helpful. Uh, they need that firm, loving figure that they can trust to do the right thing, even when they can't trust themselves, or especially when they can't trust themselves. When they want to break every rule in the book, uh, and, and that individuation is a normal part of teenagers, for example, growing up. They, you know, that pushing the boundaries, trying to find out who they are, trying to, um, you know, be something different, someone different standing out of the shadow of their parents. Uh, that's something that, that, you know, we have to look at and say, um, you have to push back on that, not try to eliminate it or make them into a clone of yourself, but to say, you know, there, there are limits and kids will appreciate that. I've even had kids in family session directly say to their parents, would you please consequence me? Uh, you know, now that's rare. Uh, they will often want to do what they want to do too, and they don't want to lose that. And it's also very embarrassing to have to tell your parents this, but, but it does happen. And I think it's not consequencing your kids is one of the worst things you can do. All right, let's look at another best thing that you can do and parents do is spending one-on-one -on -one time with kids not just family time so you you talk to parents and they say well you know i do see the kids we we get them in a big bunch and we go out and we go to dinner or we go to the amusement park whatever but I say, how much one-on-one -on -one time do you spend? Oh, I don't really have time for that. I you know, can't really do that. We never think about that. But it's an important thing that kids do need. It doesn't have to be every day or every week, of course, but maybe once, twice a month, sometime where it's just the two of you and you start to develop a, a relationship at whatever age they are. And you know, really get to know them, not like a therapy session. I often say to parents, you know, it's time not to bring up all the stuff we talk about in session when you're out at uh, Popeye's or, uh, you know, the Roadhouse Grill or wherever, you know, you should be out 
enjoying yourself. And also the kids should be learning things about you that they didn't know. I've had, you know, parents tell their kids all sorts of, you know, hobbies and interests that kids had no idea about. Uh, and, you know, keeping it light and keeping it about just sharing the time together. And it does not have to be expensive. It could be going to the park. If you live in a metropolitan area, there's tons of free stuff to do. If you live in a more rural area, there's nature. There's something you can do with those kids. And one-on-one -on -one time is a great thing that parents do. Uh, in addition, of course, to the family time where you're all together, no one is saying that's a bad thing. That's a very good thing. But um, it, it helps when you do consequence kids, when you do have to do the things that you don't want to do. It's coming from a place where they, they understand that you see them as a person, that whatever you're doing as a parent to rein them in you also enjoy spending time with them and see them as individual people. And they get to see you that way instead of just the person who's constantly organizing and directing their lives. And so I absolutely praise and recommend strongly parents having one-on-one -on -one time, even if it's once a month, even if it's twice a month, you know, I understand the time pressures on parents and kids nowadays. But it's very important to take back some of that time and insist that your kids don't overschedule themselves so that you have some time with them. All right, let's talk about some of the, another worst thing that parents do is believing they are the ultimate creators of who their children would be, good or bad. And I have to help, I have to blame therapy to a degree for some of this uh, because uh, you know for years we have put pressure and we still put pressure on parents that everything they do is of ultimate consequence and particularly mothers are targeted this way for example attachment parenting which of course, starts with a kernel of truth that, you know, if you severely deprive children at a young age of attachment, healthy attachment, they will suffer for it as very real and extreme consequences. But like anything that has a grain of truth to it, it's been spun out. And I'm glad to see there's some backlash against it now that if you don't constantly, and this is again, it's aimed at mothers, if you're not constantly nurturing and constantly attending to your young child, then there will be terrible consequences in the future. Uh, this is nonsense. You know, it's too much of a good thing. And it absolutely puts enormous pressure on particularly moms, but parents in general, to have this kind of uh, ridiculous over-attention that we then see becoming the, the helicopter or snowplow parenting of the future because it starts, again, with something noble. We want to nurture our kids. But you also, doing that is kind of like protecting your kid from all bacteria. It sounds like a great thing. You know, I don't want my kids exposed to germs, but studies show that very young children need to be exposed to some level of bacteria and germs or their immune systems won't grow. And this is very true psychologically too. If parents try to shield their children from every disturbance and every, uh, you know, hard knock of life, the kids have no way to process these things. Now, we're not talking about leaving your kid on an ice floe. We're not talking about, you know, this pull yourself up by your bootstraps nonsense either. We're not talking about the other extreme where, you know, just leave your kid to his or her, her own devices. Absolutely not. But believing that, you know, you're the one determinant of how they turn out is just wrong. 
uh, I hate to break it to some parents, but you know, there are numerous sources of who your child is is and is going to become. The world as a whole, other kids, other adults, teachers, coaches, family, friends. Yes, social media, books, movies, music. And let's not forget biological genetic factors that are incredible uh, source of how kids are. Uh, for example, when you have multiple siblings in a family, they'll often turn out quite differently. And, you know, same parents, uh, same parenting techniques, and parents will say, well, I don't understand why this technique, you know, worked so well for Susie, but it's not working for Johnny. Well, right, because uh, they're different, and they have different needs, and they have uh, different internal and external backgrounds. So take the pressure off. Uh, you absolutely can be the most important person in your child's life at a certain point, especially when they're very young. But you're not everything to them, and you shouldn't be. And it's bad for you if you feel that you have to be. And it's nice when parents come in. I have one client come in and say, you know, I'm expecting, my wife is expecting our first child. But that can't be everything, can it, Andrew? And I said, no, it can't be. I'm glad you're saying this. We have to look at the multiple sources of strength and support in your life that where you're not going to put it all on the raising of your child, that you're still going to have a diverse life and your wife will have a diverse life and you'll share that responsibility. But also have time for yourselves as a couple and time uh, for yourself personally. Many relationship problems with couples can be traced back to this mistaken notion that we don't have to put any more time, we can't put any more time in the relationship because we have to put all the time into the kids. Uh, that is a breeding ground for slow but steady destruction of the marriage. And that, of course, puts a lot of pressure on families and on parenting. It's all the more reason to reconnect and to keep that line of communication open with your partner uh, because there will be a lot of pressures. Uh, and certainly single parents will often feel guilty and say, well, you know, I don't want to make time to date because I don't want my kid to feel that I'm, you know, taking that attention away from them and what if they don't like who I'm dating? And I mean, this is certainly a big mistake because you have to have control over your own dating life and your own social life and not let your kids have veto power over that. They can't handle that power. They shouldn't have that power. Of course, if someone is abusive or destructive, you shouldn't let them in your dating life or your home or any more than you would let any other abusive person in. But all things being equal, if someone uh, is loving and respectful for you, uh, that's a good thing to show your kid. And I hear this a lot. Well, I don't want to have a parade of people coming through. Well, I agree. You know, if, if you're literally changing partners every day or every week, that can be confusing. But if you have pretty normal relationships and, uh, you know, respect yourself and respect your partner and you know it's going to be a good thing for your child to see so don't use that as an excuse and don't feel that uh, you know if I take time out this is going to ruin my child in fact one of the things we often blame kids for being too into their technology uh, I see parents all the time who refuse to shut off their cell phones because there may be some terrible emergency with their kid. And I always say, if your kid has a real emergency, they should call 911 because they may not be able to reach you for a variety of reasons. You know, you're not getting cell service or God knows what. And these parents will absolutely not do that. They will say, no, 
I must be in. And some of these are adult children. These are not toddlers we're talking about. And they will say, no, I must be there. You don't understand. They could have a question. They could need me. They could uh, want to talk to me. It's like there's never any disconnection. And this is not healthy for the parent, and it's not healthy for the child. It's okay to say to your kids, hey, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be out of contact for a while. Uh, here's what to do. Here's the safety plan. Absolutely have a safety plan. But you cannot be in constant contact all the time. All right? Um, back to the best things. Um, one of the things that I see with parents in session privately is that they will open up and say, you know, sometimes I wish I could just walk away from the whole thing. Uh, they, they admit that sometimes they hate their kids. The feeling, it's not permanent, but it's times when it's just too much. Or admitting that, you know, I've had many women say, you know, I didn't feel a maternal bond and I've never told anyone because, you know, it means I'm a bad mother and I had to develop a bond. I love my child, but, um, you know, parents, I've had many parents say, you know, I'm glad I had kids. I love my kids, but I could have just as easily not had kids. I realize the sacrifices I've made. I think that's very healthy to talk about. We have a tremendous taboo in our culture. Again, saying anything that is less than, I love my kids. I put them first. They're 100%. There's nothing else. Oh, my God. You know, and the, the truth is that for men, women, for all people involved in parenting, there are days that it's just on your last nerve. And, you know, the, the idea that there, there is some natural bond. Uh, if you believe that and you felt that, then that's fine. But there are plenty of other parents who say, you know, I, I didn't feel that. I had to develop that. And, of course, we, as always, put it on the mom. Well, you know, biologically, you have this child. But, of course, adoptive parents are just as capable of feeling bonds and connections and being loving and biological parents are just as capable of having no immediate feeling that way. In any other kind of relationship, uh, you know, a bond develops over time and is conditional. And this is another shocking thing for a lot of parents because they'll say, you know, well, my love has to be immediate and unconditional, which you know, I completely understand on one level. There is a level that we love our children unconditionally. Absolutely. I, I very much understand that. But a relationship is developed over time and must be conditional. Many parents don't understand that in their own marriages, their own relationships. They say, oh, well, it's unconditional love. No, it's not. In a relationship over time, you have to set conditions. This is where the abuse comes in. Again, if you have no conditions in any relationship, I don't care what kind of relationship, a business relationship, parenting relationship, then you will settle for everything. I mean, anything will happen to you, and you'll just see it as, well, that's just the price I have to pay. That's how my kid treats me. That's how my spouse treats me. My parents treat me, whoever. I just have to accept it. That is not true. You can still unconditionally love anyone in your life, but you must put conditions on the relationship. And that means people have to be respectful. Uh, uh, children have to be respectful of you. I'm not talking about the old, you know, seen and not heard and... Uh, you know, absolutely and 1,000% against any kind of physical violence towards kids and um, have reported such violence infinitely more times than I can count, unfortunately, to the authorities when it happens because it's incredibly damaging and counterproductive and 
uh, you know, if people think they can spank their way into, uh, uh, you know, better relationship with their kid or more discipline, they're just kidding themselves. It, 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 it doesn't work, and if it works for a very short time on the surface or externally, it's absolutely a relationship killer, and it gives you nowhere to go after that. Where, what do you do when your kid gets bigger? What do you do when the spanking doesn't work? You have all the same problems all over again. So no one is talking about that kind of uh, uh, false discipline and false consequence. But, uh, you know, I'm so glad that parents now come in and talk about this more and write about this more. Uh, even on blogs and share more with other parents to say, you know, uh, yeah, there are days and there are times when I do question what I did in having children. I'm not saying to do this with your kids, of course. But, uh, you know, kids understand that. They, you know, when they get old enough, they understand that, that they learn this disillusionment, which is actually a very positive thing, when they start to realize, you know, my parents are just people, and they don't have magic power. And yeah, they will uh, become upset, and they will uh, say things they shouldn't. And, you know, that's where we want to work that through and, and uh, get people into therapy. But especially privately, I think it's very good for parents to be able to let that out and say that and not pretend that every moment is precious and every moment is, you know, you see this on Facebook and elsewhere where people, you know, understandably, they post all the wonderful things and, you know, then other parents start to think, well, I guess they just, you know, must be happy all the time and uh, how come we're not that happy and, you know, we have downtime. Well, because it's it's just a piece of the picture. It's not the whole picture. And sometimes other parents believe, well, everybody else must be doing great. I, I'm here struggling. No, everybody's struggling in some way. And it's okay to recognize that. And when, and when parents do, it's quite liberating. It's quite positive. All right, another terrible thing that parents do is the old staying for the children excuse. And most times this is not actually true. It's an excuse that parents are using. But uh, when you have, and we've talked about this in the Defense of Divorce podcast, where we talked a lot about what kids really say behind closed doors about parents who... Uh, you know, stay together because they feel divorce would be so harmful to the children. And there's all these books written about it. I wish there were more books written about the effect on kids where the parents don't leave and tell themselves that it's much better to just continue this horrible relationship. And a lot of times also parents will say, well, the kids don't really know what's happening, Andrew. We don't argue in front of them. Uh, and of course, the kids will immediately tell you privately, of course, we know what's going on, Andrew. And of course, we have to live in this war zone. And, um, you know, we're not going to tell our parents that uh, we want them to get a divorce because then we'll be to blame for the divorce. And that is kids' number one question with divorce. Was I to blame? Did I do anything? Am I responsible? So kids often will not tell their parents what they're really feeling, but they'll tell us as therapists. And this myth that somehow, you know, if there's a very destructive relationship, even abusive relationships, uh, with all sorts of infidelity, physical abuse, and parents will still be, well, you know, should I stay together for the kids, Andrew, me, you know, should I? No, that is not a good excuse. Now, I'm not saying at the first sign of trouble, the first argument, you get divorced and, you know, of course not. I mean, people have to work through all sorts of things and that's where therapy comes in. That's where we try to help people either in couples therapy, family therapy to get through these tough times. 
But the idea that when there's just years of suffering and years of um, really horrific abuse, that somehow this is happy, this is a happy situation for the kids or the parents is a big mistake. So that's where you need a support system of your friends, family, therapist to decide, you know, what should I do? Is this the right path to take? Uh, but do not use staying for the kids as an excuse to stay in a bad relationship. It does not help your kids, and it doesn't help uh, you. And, of course, there are financial considerations sometimes. I do understand it's not easy. We don't make it easy. We, again, it gets back to what we don't offer parents in terms of um, having a family. And as a culture, we don't offer that support. So it is hard. But if it is all possible to have that as an option where you don't just take that off the table and say, you know, we're going to stay no matter what, it's actually very, very helpful. Uh, back to the best things that parents do. This is number five. On our, we have five of each today. And I realize there's so many more that we could talk about, and I welcome your suggestions and your comments. But recognizing the internal qualities of your kids and that that is what makes up the identity. I can't stress that enough. To treat external achievements as what they are, as uh, lovely things to be celebrated, but not the core and you see that there are parents who do this, who are able to see the great qualities in their children that transcend whatever they're doing externally. I understand the pressure and I see the pressure on parents who are so frazzled and so afraid that their kids won't make it. And there is a real fear now that the American dream is gone that it was always assumed when I was growing up that kids would do better than their parents would do. And now parents are confronting the fact that that may not be true for a huge portion of the American population. And I know we have listeners all over the world and whose cultures may be different, but that is how, how it is for a lot of parents in, in this culture and even ones who are quite fortunate and have a good bit of money still feel that pressure and still feel like you know what can I do so I'm, I'm very glad when parents are able to treat and see their kids as human beings not just as resumes uh, and our last uh, terrible <laughs> quality for parents is something we, we touched on earlier, uh, the constant contact. And this includes the apps that uh, give you constant tracing of your children. You can know where they are every minute. Um, it includes just simply constant texting, calling to your kids, where are they every minute of every day. This breeds dependency. How are your kids going to learn to deal with you if you won't go away at times? Um, and I think there are many parents who are secretly or not so secretly hoping they never will because I see it a lot with adult children where the parents can't let that go. So uh, now I also see that kids are adopting that technology with each other. So they've been constantly watched, and now they are watching their girlfriend or boyfriend constantly on these apps, and it's incredibly destructive, and the kids call in a panic. You know, I didn't hear from my girlfriend for a few hours. I was scared because, uh, you know, she's had this issue or that, and... Uh, you know, it's very damaging. People cannot handle that kind of power, that kind of knowledge. 
uh, they have to be able to step back. And a lot of times they know that, but they need to hear it from someone outside the situation. And that's where therapists come in, where they can say, um, no, that's not healthy. You have to let that go. You have to learn to trust your partner or your uh, kid and let them face what they have to face and then bring it to you and grow from it and bring it to us. I again want to say I have nothing but admiration for anyone who is a parent and is struggling with these issues. It's incredibly difficult and uh, you know I, I hope that this is taken in the spirit in which it's offered as constructive critique and not as putting down uh, parents and, and um, just adding to that that drumbeat of criticism. I think I see a lot of parents in despair, a lot of parents who are overwhelmed. And that's my real message, whether we're looking at the best things parents do or the worst things, that, that those parents deserve support. If you are a parent right now who feels you don't have a professional and personal support system where you're regularly seeing friends, you're regularly doing your own activities to give yourself a break and to set a great example for your kids, then you need to start down that road and therapy is one of the ways to receive that encouragement and planning and support. But whatever way you approach it, you deserve that time and it will be better for your children. There are times when children say to us, they say, we try to tell our parents to take time and that we don't need them 24-7, but they won't listen. And it's time to listen. It's time to listen to them and to other adults who are telling you that um, it's time. It's time to make that time for yourself, develop that support system, it's the healthiest thing you can do for yourself and for your children. If we can be of any help in our practice, please give a call. But whatever you get that help from, I'm so glad you listened today. I'm so appreciative of people who've reached out with positive comments. And uh, again, if there's any suggestions for topics, if there's any questions, do feel free to reach out and Thank you again for being here uh, on this journey, and uh, we'll see you next episode.